a chance for Mule and Burroughs. They score! And the Mules score! Scores! Three in a row for the Mules! Duke has to put it up at the buzzer! It's good! And the Mules win it! Coming to you from Allentown, Pennsylvania, welcome to the Mule and Mules podcast. Each episode, we'll talk to the coaches, staff, athletes, and alumni who make up the Muhlenberg Athletics family and are proud to call themselves Mules. Throughout the month of February, the Muhlenberg Mules podcast has been joining the Office of Multicultural Life in celebrating the rich history and contributions of black people to the world, the United States of America, and to Muhlenberg College. Our guest today is someone who has made many contributions to Muhlenberg College, Josh Carter. A 2002 graduate of Muhlenberg, he was a two-sport star in football and baseball, earning Centennial Conference Player of the Year honors in both sports, and he was inducted into the Muhlenberg Athletic Hall of Fame in 2007, his first year eligible. He was an assistant coach for the Muhlenberg football team for six years, helping the Mules reach the Final Four in 2019 before leaving to take his first head coaching job at Centennial Conference rival Juniata. Welcome to the Muhlenberg Mules podcast. Josh, thanks for joining us today. Great to be here. You, you recently passed the one-year anniversary of your hiring. You were hired last February 3rd and, and still waiting to coach your first game. Just talk about you know, what it's been like the last year. Obviously, very excited to get, a, get your first head coaching job. And then to have this thrown at you, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it has to be a, not what you expected from your first head coaching job, obviously. Absolutely. You know, when you're going through the process and, and thinking about thinking about what you want to do and, 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 and interviewing for a job and you, you, you get it and you're excited and you're making plans and you're trying to relocate while still working and, and getting everything in order. And the last thing you think about it is a global pandemic throwing a monkey wrench into all of your plans. And in two weeks, all of a sudden, everything is gone haywire. And so now it's like, okay, how, how do you pivot? How do you adjust and, and, and do what you need to do to, to, to help keep your players engaged? And, and realistically, as a new head coach, you know, form relationships both with your staff and your players when you don't, you don't get to be around them. And, and that's something that's completely new for, for all of us. We, you know, we all had to do this, that, but it's, it's a little different when you're trying to form relationships. I'm sure you're, you're itching to coach your first game. How are you, how are you keeping yourself sane? Oh, there's no, there's no sanity in, involved in this. <laughs> um, you, you just, you just put your nose down and, and, and do the work that you know you have to get done. Realistically, you have to prepare as though at some point you are going to play, but you, you got to try to think of all the contingencies for if you don't. And and usually you don't have to think of that contingency. You, usually it's just what happens if this guy is hurt or that guy is hurt or, you know, let's make sure we're leaving early enough for a game in case the bus breaks down or like those are the things you're worried about. Now it's okay. What happens if they say you can't go into the weight room because they've locked down the, the campus for the week or the day. So you're still dealing with the same things. Well, you're still dealing with the same with issues. They're just different ones. Right. You know, you know as a new coach, you know, someone who's, who's, trying to instill a new culture uh, on a program that, that hasn't had a lot of success recently. Do you think maybe in the long run, maybe this, this, this little extended break might, might help in some way, um, you know, in, in, in building that culture without having to do it on the field? Um, I know it's hard, as you mentioned, when you're not seeing the, the, the players in person, but, but do you think, um, you know, maybe in the long run, you'll, you'll look back at this and say, you know, that, that, that actually wasn't all bad. 
Yeah, you you have to you have to kind of look look for the silver linings and everything. And I, I've joked around, you know, whenever I've talked to a recruit or or really anyone, you know, I'm undefeated. <laughs> and so, you know, as a coach, you're not programmed to not have games when you're actually coaching. But but with that said, it's given our guys an opportunity to learn our system because they have two new systems coming in, and it's giving our coaches a chance to, to be around each other a little bit, not as much as we would like, but, but it's given us a chance to kind of learn from each other and, and, and new coaches to learn systems that would have been jam packed into probably two weeks. You know, they've gotten, gotten a year to, to get through that. And, and the players are, are getting an understanding of what we're looking for. You know, culture is huge and, and, and a standard of, of what, we want them to, to bring to the table each and every day. And that takes time to develop. So, you know, the plus to this situation is that we've had time to develop that without having to take any lumps along the way. You know, I don't know if the players would agree with that, you know, but, but from a coaching perspective, you know, you, you, you get to, to build a culture with, without possibly having a loss on the resume, you know, and, and losses build character, but, you know, we always like we always like to fix mistakes, but it's a lot it's a lot nicer. You're a lot happier when you're fixing mistakes after a win than when you're trying to. You got that L in the column, so right. So there is a little bit of an advantage or a benefit. I won't say an advantage, a benefit to to not having the games while you're making these changes. Right, right, yeah, and like you said, it's 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 about looking for a silver lining and and always putting, you know, trying to find the positive in in any other situation. And I, I imagine, you know, at Muhlenberg, we've been following uh, the decisions that have been coming down from the Centennial Conference. You're, you're in a different position there at, at Juniata in that most of the rest of your teams are, are in a different conference, the Landmark Conference, that's already playing. Volleyball, basketball, swimming are, are, all, are all actively competing now. Does that, does that make it a little tougher for for your guys who see their 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 classmates and their schoolmates are already competing, it, de- it definitely does. Be- because as an athlete, you know it's ingrained in you to compete and to want to compete, and so you know it's definitely tough. You know it's like you're sidelined with an injury and you're watching your teammates go at it, and, and and you can't you can't do anything. And it's probably even tougher for them now because there's no way for them to help. You you know when you're when you're an injured player, you, you can observe and, and give pointers and help a teammate out. Even as someone who's a, you know, playing another sport, you can go support them and you can't even do that right now, you know, at least not physically. So, so I'm sure it, it, it's kind of driving our guys nuts. You know, they're excited to, to be able to get in, get in the weight room and, and kind of go through all season conditioning in, in those programs. But in the end, you know, those guys, they want to compete. So it's a little tough on them. I'm sure they're not as excited about the conditioning as, as they would be about competing. Uh, no, not 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 as excited <laughs> about conditioning as competing, but they're probably more excited about the conditioning than they normally would be. Right, right. I saw that Juniata is the swimming program for the Landmark Conference Championships. It's going to be a virtual meet, so every team's going to compete on their campus, and then I guess just compare times. I was thinking that would be interesting to do that for football, right? You, you just you just be on your campus and say, "All right, we kicked off." And then you'll be at your campus and say, yeah, our guy returned it. And then we'll say, oh, yeah, I think we tackled your guy around the 23 yard. Well, well, first, there'd be no, there's no tackle. It's a touchback. <laughs> that's, the way, that's the way I saw it. And then, <laughs> yeah, and, and then we'll lose, we'll lose signals and everything is good. 
<laughs> yeah no there's there's some sports i guess that are you can you can do that with and, and Absolutely. Uh, football football they would just be like playing a video game <laughs> that, that would probably be how we'd have to compete if we were doing it virtually it would have to be virtually you talked about the uh, putting in the new systems and and um you know the the conditioning and the weight room what are some of the other things you've been doing to to try to keep your team engaged to keep your players part of the program you know some of them might be thinking about you know, their futures, if they, if they want to finish school and, and end their football careers early or, or extend their career so they can play football more. What, what are some of the creative things that, that you've had to do to, just to try to keep them engaged? Real, realistically, it's, it's been pretty hard. More meetings um, individually with the players than you probably normally would have just to, to see how they're doing. We've been on campus. We were on campus in the fall, um, so we were able to, to, to practice a little bit. I think it's just been a very tough adjustment for everyone because you don't know, is it going to be, is a professor going to have a virtual class? Is it going to be in, in person? And that, that's been an adjustment for, for all of our guys. And I think just trying to, to, to meet with them um, and find out how they're doing, that, that's been the biggest, the biggest thing. Normally you have that automatically because it's football season. You, you come to campus and it's football season and you do, and you, and, and you see them every day, you kind of get the automatic check-in. I think there was a little bit more of that, but they're still in class and we still had, had practice. So, so we didn't have to do too much more. And it's a little, a little more difficult when you're talking about, you know, 60, 70, 80 guys and, and you're doing that because you, you don't have your normal practice time and your normal facility access, especially now. And they don't really want you to meet in person. And, and I feel there's only so much you can do via Zoom when, when the numbers get that big. Um, you know, it's a little, little easier maybe when you're in smaller groups, but now we're kind of in, in our flow. It's almost, not quite, but almost a standard um, off season, you know, with the exception that, you know, we're possibly preparing to compete um, later on in the spring. So, so one of the things you missed out on this past fall was uh, your first trip back to Muhlenberg as head coach, uh, Juniata is scheduled to play um, at Muhlenberg this past uh, October, I believe. Have you thought what, what it will be like to when you first coach against Muhlenberg? Obviously, you enjoyed a tremendous success uh, at Muhlenberg, both as an athlete and as a, as a coach. So, so I'm, worried about, I'm worried about two games in particular. I'm worried about my first home game at Juniata, and I'm worried about the first trip back to Muhlenberg. Not <laughs> because I'm worried about the outcome any more than I'm normally worried about the outcome of the game. I'm worried about the first home game at Juniata, not continuing across the field to the home sideline and somebody having to remind me <laughs> and I'm worried about, and I'm worried about staying towards the home sideline at Muhlenberg and almost being on autopilot. Um, <laughs> you know, so I haven't, I've never been on, I've never been facing the press box at, at Scottywood stadium. So it's a little, that will be a little different. <laughs> The, the game's going to look backwards to you, right? Right. <laughs> like, why is this happening in a mirror? <laughs> but no, obviously, uh, you know, obviously a lot of great memories for you from Muhlenberg. And, and I, uh, I'm pretty sure you're going to be welcomed back with, with open arms uh, as long as your team doesn't win the game. <laughs> well, yeah, then, then, then I kind of then I kind of hope you guys turn your back on me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you know, we mentioned earlier that you were hired last February and in the release uh, announcing your hiring, you had this quote, you're, you're the third African-American 
football coach in the Centennial Conference that's been hired in the last couple of years, Demarcus White from McDaniel, hired in 2019. He's actually got to coach one season. And then you and, and Maurice Banks at Gettysburg, both hired last year, both, both playing the waiting game. But as we're celebrating Black History Month, I, I thought this was a, a great quote from you. You said, it shows that the centennial is making great strides, that there are people of color who are more than qualified and ready to take on the responsibility of being the face of the program. It shows that we are entering into the next phase of progress for people from underrepresented communities becoming head football. I thought that was really a, you know, a, gr- a great quote from you. And, and maybe just talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, I, I, I just think, um... You know, I think there's a lot of, you know, especially over the last year, you know, there's been a lot of talk of people getting opportunities and, and, you know, I think in any, in any career field, you know, it's, it's not easy you know, the, the United States doesn't, you know, they, they have a history and, and it's not necessarily the prettiest history, but every, every place has that, you know. Um, I, I think sometimes we get really caught up with with putting our best foot forward and we try to hide some of our faults. And there, there have been a ton of, of great coaches with African-American backgrounds that, that have come through the Centennial, you know, at different points in their careers. And I think at the Division three level, it's a little different just in terms of how many full-time coaches you have and making the move from part-time coach to full-time coach or intern or, or GA to full-time coach. And so one, one thing I've learned, it's all about relationships. Relationships are everything. And up until that last aspect, which is becoming a head coach, and then, you know, the relationship aspect of it isn't always, uh, doesn't always play as great of a role. And, you know, I, I, was, I was really excited during this last hiring process, you know, that a ton of, of, of black head coach or black coaches got opportunities um, in the last few years. You know, I, I know of, you know, like you said, Coach White at McDaniel, um, Coach Malik Hall is now at Bates in, in the NESCAC. And, 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 and then, you know, see, see, seeing um, a bunch of other coaches, uh, you know, minority coaches get opportunities to interview for head jobs and, and, and either get them or, or get really close in the process. I think the process is becoming better. I think, you know, and, and part of that, you know, part of that credit in my mind has to go, go to somebody like Mike Donnelly and Nate Millen, who, who have had, had a good number of young minority coaches on their staffs that, that have allowed us to build those relationships. And I don't want to say get the notoriety, but see our hard work and how that's paid off, you know, being a part of the Muhlenberg program for the last six years, that helps, you know, when you look and you see a Sean McVay get a head job. Well, that's because he was a young, hot, you know, coordinator um, and, and people thought he was really innovative. So he got an opportunity. And, 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 and now Robert Saleh with, with the Jets and, and those, those guys have gotten, they've worked their way up, but they've got their opportunity. And, and you know, I root, for, I root for them to have success because we all know in the end, people want to see wins and losses. Um, and so when, when, you, when you have success and, and you're getting opportunities, you want to make the most of them. And I hope it continues. And I, and I, I think that's important because I, I just think it's important for the guys that I coach to see that, that this is also a place they can go. It, it allows them to see this a place they can go. It allows people who aren't minorities and who are minorities to see that, that they can be led by somebody who may, may look like myself. And I, I think that's really important as we're looking at it, because the more 
more more black Native American um, Latino coaches that you see out there, the less odd it's going to look. You know, I'm looking forward to to when it, I don't have to when it's not men. You're the you're the the first head coach to win the conference. You know right. that way. You know where it's just like, hey, how's it feel to win the conference? It's just like, yeah, I'm I'm ecstatic. You know, so you know I think it's progress. I think we have a long way to go. Is particularly in other sports, not not just from a coaching standpoint, but just from a recruiting standpoint, you know, and, 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 and we could probably say that about a lot of different areas in a lot of different, a lot of different organizations across, across the world. Yeah. And you see, you said people like to see wins and losses and, and certainly in terms of that progress, it has to help that Tampa Bay just won the Super Bowl with three African-American coordinators and, and also two, two full-time female head coach, female assistant coaches as well. So uh, there's definitely signs of progress. Absolutely. You know, I think there's signs of progress. And, and I, one, one thing that is tough is I think a lot of times we forget that you can't you can't hold against somebody that they haven't done something that they haven't been given an opportunity to, to do. Well said. Well said. So we're talking to Josh Carter, head football coach at Juniata, member of the Muhlenberg College Athletic Hall of Fame for a great career in the, in the late 90s and early 2000s. We actually played three sports, football, basketball, and baseball. And we had uh, Kenyamo McFarland, one of your former teammates on the podcast a few weeks ago. And he was the last Muhlenberg athlete to play both basketball and football all four years at Muhlenberg. You didn't play basketball all four years, but, but you're, you're the last athlete to play, you know, what were considered the three, the three biggies. There was a time when everybody played football, basketball, and baseball, or football, basketball, and ran track and field. That was the other part that was in the mix. Looking back as, as, as you know, as being, you know, the last person to do that, what, what, what was it about that that enabled you to, to, to play all three and, and be successful and, and, and also, you know, be successful in your school work? I thought that just, that's just what you had to do. I thought everybody was going to play three. No. <laughs> um, it, it just was who I am. I, I love, I love competing. I love playing I love baseball. I, I, I played basketball for a long time and football was actually the, the newest of the sports that I was playing and, and the one that I was probably, probably had the most growing to do, probably literally and figuratively. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I love competing. And, and for me, I, I was actually a better student when I was busy. Probably the worst part of my ac- academic career was my freshman year when we finished football season, like those two or three weeks between the end of the season and, and finals where I didn't know what to do with myself. I, I never had that issue in life. And so it was really, really odd. And, and, you know, so I do better when I don't have a lot of time. You know, if you say you got two weeks to get something done, I'm probably going to wait 13 days and <laughs> get moving at it. So part of it was just keeping myself busy. And, and, and that was something that I, I could do, um, you know, not, not something I could do, but it, it, it helped keep the schedule more condensed for me, you know, and, and I don't know, it, it just, I look at it and, and I, I was blessed enough to, to have had great coaches growing up that, that helped me develop in the game. And, and I, I have to thank my parents for giving me the, the genetics that I have to, to be able to, to use those, those gifts to be able to compete, you know, um, I don't know, I don't know 
I don't know what else to say. I mean, just for me, I, I, I just love learning about the game. I, I was all about it. And, and if you talk to anybody who grew up with me, they probably wouldn't be surprised that I did that. If, if you told them, I, I think the biggest surprise that any of them would have, if you talk to them today, if they haven't talked to you in, in 20 years would not be that I'm coaching, but it would be that I, the sport that I'm coaching. And, and so for me, it was just, it, it wasn't odd to me. It wasn't special to me. It, it was just, I'm going to get the opportunity to do it. Okay. I'm going to try to take advantage of this opportunity. Does it surprise you that, that nobody's done it since, or that even, even two sport athletes, uh, you know, are seem to be becoming rarer and rarer. There's more specialization. Um, I'm not surprised because of how specialized sports are becoming for people. And, and, you know, in, in a lot of ways, I think it's, it's to the detriment of all of the sports. Um, I think, I think that we're developing guys who on one perspective, it, it needs to be more specialized in terms of being in shape and the strength. And, you know, the guys that are, that are playing now are stronger than they were when I played more guys are stronger than, than when I played um, and probably a little bit faster, but they also, even though they, they play more football and they, they do more working out to stay in shape, I don't think they understand the game quite as well um, or understand certain movements that go within the game quite as well because they're almost too specialized and, you know, they're worn down. I think people always, as a three-sport guy, they thought, you know, I would be worn down from doing everything. But if you look at how we work out our athletes now, they, they get the same amount of work that I get, that I got. It's just all dialed into one thing. Um, and, right. and, you know, sometimes that gets to be tiring. You, you get sick of hearing the same thing from the same person the same way. And I think there's a lot that can, that can transfer over from one sport to another and, and help you. Some, sometimes you realize it and sometimes you don't. In, in my coaching style, when I'm talking, especially on an individual level to a guy, I try to see if they played something else so that if they're struggling with the technique, I can compare it to something that they might understand better from another sport. And there's far more overlap than, than you think, whether it be a quarterback moving in the pocket compared to an infielder trying to turn a double play or a defensive slide in basketball, you know, compared with, with scraping over a block to get to a running a ball carrier. There's a lot of different things that you may do that, that happen in other sports that people don't realize. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's gotta be tough as a, as a head coach, because, you know, you want your athletes to be as good as they can be in your sport. Do you encourage your junior players? If, if they say, Hey, I really want to play. I really want to play baseball. I really want to be on the track team in the spring. How do you handle that with the fact that in a normal year, that you wouldn't have them for your spring practices when they could potentially be getting better as a football player. I think you have to always take it on a case by case basis. Even, even 20 years ago, I think it has to be on a case by case basis. And so, you know, if you're a big lineman, it's probably not a good idea to go out and run and play lacrosse, you know, <laughs> or, or let me rephrase that. If you're a little lineman, it's probably not a good idea to go run and play lacrosse. Any um, lineman, you know, because now you got to figure out a way to put weight back on. So I don't, I don't discourage it. I, I take them on a case by case basis. I, I, and I say in recruiting, I say, I'd be a hypocrite if I told you not to play two sports or I'm not going to let you play two sports. I just always say that you got to understand the, the pluses and the minuses that come along with it. You're going to miss part of what your teammates are doing in both sports and, and, and getting your opportunity to go after another sport, you're giving somebody else an opportunity to, 
to make ground up on you in whichever sport you're not doing in a given time. And, you know, that's something you, you have to weigh and, and understand. And everybody's different. Their mentality is different. What, they, what their goals are, are will be different. And, and what they're capable of doing is different. Um, and so that plays into it. I think I, I wish a lot more guys did it in, in high school. I, I, I'm, I'm far more concerned with how many guys aren't doing a second or third sport in high school than I am with, but I, I get it. Cause I think they're, they're being asked to do so much in high school now that is right. like, I don't have time for that. Right. I think sometimes that, that hurts guys overall. Right. And, you know, we, we couldn't let this topic pass by without mentioning that we do have not only a three-sport athlete, but a four-sport athlete currently at Muhlenberg, someone, someone that you coached last year, Sam Rothstein, who's an offensive lineman on the Muhlenberg football team. He wrestles, he competes in indoor track and, and in outdoor track. So he's, he's technically a four-sport athlete. And um, when, when, when he came back on, and, and he expressed some of the same things that you did, that he just loved being busy. And, and when he came back to campus a few weeks ago, um, I, I actually was helping checking people in and I, and, and I checked them in and I said, well, you know, which, which sport are you going to play since all the, all the sports are playing in the same season right now? And, and his response was predictable. He said, as many as I can. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's going to be a challenge for him. Not, not because of the challenge of actually doing multiple sports, but the, the challenges of uh, contact tracing and how, how you guys decide to, uh, to minimize or not minimize it, but keep track of it, you know, and, and what the, the devil will be in the details, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, tracks like I'm not near anybody. <laughs> right. Is that going to, is that going to, is that going to fly? Yeah. You know, Sam is impressive because he's been able to do that. And, and you know, I think track was pretty new for him. Uh, and, and so, you know, he's learning that on the fly and, and, and coach Hackett, you know, letting, letting, uh, letting Newell's football do the recruiting for him again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, obviously he's been, um, he, he's part of three very, very successful teams. Uh, you know, last year, obviously the, the Muhlenberg football team, making it all the way to the final four, the wrestling team, getting nationally ranked, finished second in the Centennial Conference. And, and uh, in indoor track, um, Muhlenberg men finished fourth at the indoor championships last year, which was a great, great improvement. So you and he are, are proof that, that it can be done and, and it can be done well. I, I guess that make, kind of makes him a throwback, huh? Yeah, he, he, he kind of is a throwback. He, he's a better student than me, though. <laughs> well, well we, we won't get into that on, uh, on, on today's <laughs> podcast. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll delve, delve into Josh Carter's academic record on, on some future show, which we're absolutely we're, we're really running out of topics. But um, we, we like to close all of our podcasts with some getting to know you type questions. So let's roll these out for you, Josh. What is your favorite quote? Uh, my favorite quote um, is one that a, a coach gave to me, and it's it's not his quote, but um, he gave it to me probably before I got to college while I was in high school. Basically, that kind of described my mentality, and I didn't know it was my mentality until he said it, but he, he, he always said, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight in the dog. And, and that's just kind of something I've chosen to kind of live by for better or worse uh, throughout my life. <laughs> well, I think that's, that's a very appropriate quote for you. You were certainly undersized for a, for a football player. And, um, but, but definitely uh, that definitely did not hinder you from, from enjoying great success. So that's a, that's a good, good quote for all us little people, huh? Yep. 
<laughs> if you weren't a football coach, what would you be doing? Um, I actually can answer this question, uh, having spent some time not coaching. I, I'd probably be, be in, in the business world, in the sales world. It, it's, it's what I did. I, I enjoyed it. I could go back to it if I had to, uh, but I don't want to. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I love what I do. I love helping impact um, young people's lives and, and coaching the sport that I love. So that's kind of where I feel like going and staying with. All right. Who did you see at your first concert? I cannot remember. I sat up here and thought about that for a long time, and I don't have an answer for you. Well, then tell us about some concert that you did see, even if it wasn't your first one that was memorable. I'm not a big concert goer. I I can't remember. I I was sitting here just trying to think of a concert that that I've been to, and I've racked my brain with no answer. Uh, You know, I've watched some friends perform or been to some open mics, but I have not really been to a concert. Probably too busy playing every every sport under the sun to go to attend concerts. Maybe. Maybe that was the reason. All right. And, and then last question. I'm sure you'll have a good answer for this one. Um, if you could sit down for a meal with any famous person, living or past, who would it be? Wow. Um, I hadn't settled on that one either. I probably would like to talk with, with Jackie Robinson just because he got the credit for so much. I know so many people dealt with so much during that time, but I would like to I'd like to speak to him you know, with breaking the color barrier because he was able to do so. And I, I, not so much dealing with, you know, the the negative attention that he got for it, but, but realistically, how, how was he able to deal with some of the positive feedback, you know, from, from his own people and, and, and what that meant to them, you know, and not because the negative attention, you know, but I'm sure he was prepared in a way he was prepared for that. You know, but but hearing what other what the people were saying to him that that really drove him to continue throughout his life, you know, with his with his passions, that that would be very interesting to me. Yeah, that's a really good point, Josh, because obviously he had the people who desperately wanted him to fail, who are the people you often hear about the obstacles that he had to overcome. But he also was carrying the weight of another population with him. And that was the people who desperately wanted him wanted him to succeed. So that's a great point. All right. Well, uh, Josh Carter, appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us for our podcast. Hopefully we will get back to playing some football, um, at least in a limited capacity sometime this spring. And and you will walk to the correct sideline when you have your first home game. And then, you know, maybe this fall, if if all goes well, we'll we'll see you back at Muhlenberg uh, on the incorrect sideline. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be, I'll be on, I'll call it the left sideline um, as opposed to the right one. I'll be on the left sideline. Right. Right. All right, Josh Carter. Thank you for so much for joining us on the Muhlenberg Mules podcast. Thank you. We'd like to thank not only Josh, but also our past Black History Month guests, Kenyamo McFarlane, Jason McLean, and Portia Hoig for sharing their insights with us. You know, any month, not just February, is a great month to study Black history. Here are a couple of places on the web you can go if you go to biography.com and click on the Black History tab. You'll find biographies of many great black people in our past. You can also go to history.com, which has a section on black history. And those are just two of any number of places you can go to learn more about black history for the other 11 months of the year. You'll be glad you did. The Muhlenberg Mules podcast is a production of the Muhlenberg Office of Athletic Communications with Joe Widener, Zoe Keim, and Marty the Mule. If you have any questions or comments, 
please send us an email at mulespodcast at muhlenberg.edu or call our pod line at 484-664-4001 and leave a message. We will answer questions in future episodes. The Muhlenberg Mules Podcast is available on Apple and Spotify and wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review us and recommend us to your friends. For the latest in Muhlenberg College Athletics, please follow us on social media at M-U-H-L underscore S-P-O-R-T-S. Until next week, Go Mules!